welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Regina Lally. And uh, me, Neil Partridge. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for covering for Kelly this week while she's enjoying some well-deserved break from the laptop. My pleasure. Uh, So this week, you've joined me for episode 58 to pick up on some stories that reflect both internal and external threats that organisations face in relation to the data that they're processing. So I picked up on Dory that links in a little bit with what Kelly and I were discussing last week around the impact data breaches can have on individuals. And also it, it illustrates quite nicely the risk that using different systems, particularly cloud systems, can have if, if they're not carefully managed by an organisation. So Hackney Council, the name may be familiar from a, a previous podcast that we did talking about an IT hack that they experienced, they inadvertently published the details of vulnerable women who had experienced domestic violence, published their details including where they were now living, which obviously presents a very real threat to their well-being due to the fact that if somebody wanted to find out where they were, track them down and Googled, the fact that that data was publicly online meant that it would then become very easy for their previous partner or the person who had been victimising them would be able to find, putting them in very real danger because, you know, the individuals escaped, they've gone to seek refuge from the local council and, and found a safe place to live, which has now been published on the internet. Oh, I was going to just add to that. I think it is really hard to understate the impact of that particular instance. The sort of individuals, I do a lot of work in the legal sector and from time to time I see matter files of matters where this sort of thing has happened. And the indi- quite often these women are literally fleeing for their lives and quite often mm-hmm. the lives of their children as well. Um, because they are also, they're removing themselves from domestic situations where the other side, the person who is harming them or their children or both, is quite often manipulative, will be clever, will be mm-hmm. quite a good detective, and they will go out of the way to track them down. So this is awful on many levels. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important to make because I think they, one of the ladies has mentioned in the article to say that, you know, she's terrified that she'll be found and trusted the council to protect her now. The data was made available through a program called Trello, which is an online project management tool. Often that you know there's a free version, you can get paid versions. It's a project management tool. And obviously senior managers, well, it says in the in the story that senior managers had been using these boards and various different pieces of information, including this spreadsheet, which had the names and temporary accommodation addresses of the women who were in temporary accommodation for their own safety, was made pay- publicly available on these Trello boards because it had been set up wrong. And I think this is one of the risks of using cloud services and different options that are out there. They can be so useful and so beneficial and I don't underestimate how easy they are to use. The problem comes when if they're not set up properly at the beginning or individuals within an organisation can, given the, the freedom to set up new and additional boards and invite people to them, if they're not sure 100% of how to set those up securely, this becomes a very real risk because you have no control over it as an organisation. And then what seems to be something quite small and insignificant can have, as we've said, very, very real implications for one or, or multiple individuals. I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's a people problem. We know this because, as you said, Regina, it's about setting things up in the right way in the first place. Only a human being can do that, but it's also understanding where the risks are. It's. I want to sort of say at this point as well, it's one of those situations where perhaps lessons weren't learned from previous incidents that's a factor but it's really important and this is the same especially now we're doing a lot of remote working or hybrid working it's about knowing what your team are using Mm -hmm. only letting them approved use the approved software and hardware 
they may be using their own devices. But I think part of it as well is understanding, making sure that it's up to date and it's being set up on the network properly. If you can imagine, every time someone accesses it, it's a weak point. So at this point, unless things are authorized, unless things are set up properly, unless the senior management team know what's being used and why, you're asking for trouble. And I, we've mentioned, I'm not going to go off on a rant about WhatsApp today. We all know about WhatsApp. Well, I've lost count of the number of times that organizations have said, oh, I didn't know you, my team used WhatsApp. Do Slightly different situation, but it is, again, it's a human problem where people haven't properly appreciated the risk and put things in place to deal with it. Absolutely. And I think it's really key that if you're looking at introducing new software or your team member of your team finds some great new product that they think can really help the way that you work that consider it as an organization but have a process that they can follow that enables them to suggest it that enables you to review whether or not it's suitable for the type of data that's being suggested to be processed within it and make a decision about whether or not you're going to use it and then fully understand how to set it up securely so that you don't end up with multiple pieces of information across in this case 51 different Trello boards which potentially reveal information about individuals that's going going to cause them huge distress and put their lives in danger, which is ultimately what's happened here. And it was very avoidable for that to happen. But bearing in mind it was one month after their previous cyber attack, there's the potential that minds were diverted, attention was focused on a different external threat rather than the internal weakness that was there. And I think that's very often the case with organisations. And that's not to say that the external threat isn't there. So picking up on that, there was an interesting article that you found, I think, Neil, that was around the external threats and rise in attacks on UK councils particularly. So Insight conducted a report and found that there was a 213% increase in cyber attacks on UK councils in the last year. And when you couple that with the 75% of their workforce that has moved to home working due to the pandemic, that presents a very real threat. The report found as well that the security measures that councils had looked to invest in were potentially not up to the levels of threat that they're facing. So I think it was only about 20% of the councils across the UK had actually invested in additional security software or measures. So you can see the gap there in terms of the rise in attacks, the volume and number of people working from home compared to office space before, which would have been probably fairly restrictive in its network capabilities. You know, people would be on a network. It's a public sector network. It's probably pretty well defended to move into home networks where people could be on their own equipment. Again, councils aren't necessarily renowned for being mobile previously so people would be in an office and in a location probably on uh, typical desktop computers so suddenly to have to move to a more mobile workforce you've you then got a almost a perfect mix for people falling foul of that external cyber attack that might pop into their email oh you know there's an analogy i use all the time i love this analogy i came up with it a little while ago you drive a car and a car on the wrong hands is a lethal weapon and uh, what happens is you can go out on monday check your driving test in a, a one liter five speed 20 mile an hour little car the next day you can get the keys to a 200 mile an hour ferrari and go off with it um, and you're very lucky if you do and you're very lucky <laughs> if you do but legally it is actually possible at the moment in this country so on either the internet's that kind of tool we have an enormous resource their hands that can move at 200 miles an hour but the vast majority of people and the statistics you've just conveyed there Regina set that out 
in no uncertain terms. And I suspect a 213% rise in instances. I suspect that's the tip of the iceberg, really. And that's what we know about. It's probably double that, triple that, I imagine. But the point is that no one's ever taught us how to use equipment properly. No one's ever had a driving test or a, or a driving lesson in this. It's what you pick up as you go along. So it's not surprising. And another point I think they would make was the best way to attack somebody from the north is to attack them from the south first. So while they're under attack from the south, as was the case with the council, under attack from cyber breach, why not then go in from the north while they're distracted? The very time to look at your defences and tighten things up is not in the aftermath. It's not at the time when you're after the investigation stuff. It's from day one. But what you're describing is, it, again, it's a, it's a human problem. And it's about people understanding what they're using and having appropriate controls to manage, manage that. But certainly right now, what with COVID and remote working, we are seeing an absolutely enormous increase in attacks because, quite frankly, it's easy pickings. Absolutely, and the cyber criminals know that there's money there for them to make through ransomware. You know, if we think about the last year and some of the discussions we've had on this podcast between ourselves, between me and Kelly, a lot of them have focused on on fairly substantial cyber ransomware attacks. They're looking for money and they know that there's a weakness there because people are, they're not in their usual environment, that they're panicked and maybe more susceptible to specific types of information coming in around COVID, vaccines, that type of thing and they haven't got the other people around them to just do that quick. Do you think this looks a bit weird? Is it right? It's much harder to do that when you're separate from your colleagues. There's something else coming as well. I read an article earlier on today from a digest through the Law Society, but this Mm -hmm. applies to absolutely everybody, that a leading security institution in this country and working abroad, the good guys we'll call them, they found that there's definitely a move. The cyber criminals, obviously, they're like an opportunist thief. They're going to go for the easy targets. And what's happening is a lot of organisations are now saying we're no longer going to have a responsive threat. We're going to be aggressive in our threat response. Now, you can read a lot of things into that. And of course, the cyber criminals, they're going to go after the big juicy targets the data, the money, and all the rest of it. But if you imagine you've got the large organizations that are normally under a threat, they can afford to put things in place. They can afford to have the security and the technicians who will actually be aggressively dealing with cyber attacks. Well, the cyber attacks aren't going to stop. If you put up neighborhood watch signs in your street, all that's going to do is move the crime to another street, the criminals there. So it's actually the it's the smaller businesses, the individuals, the medium-sized businesses that actually could bear the brunt of the shift in, in attacks and leaves the data and the, and the technology vulnerable. So, you know, the, the question there is, how do we go about securing? What can be done? These horrific stories and councils definitely fall into this category. What can they do about it? How do they bring this under control? What measures can they put in place to, to stop that from happening? No, it's some very good questions. And I think, you know, we will always pick up on that, making sure that, you you know, staff are trained, that they're aware of the risk and doing what you can to support them even while working remotely and making sure that you know what systems you have and what you're prepared to use. And I think that probably picks up quite nicely just to finish off with um, a kind of another angle of that move to home working, which is affecting particularly from your perspective, law firms, Neil. This was a bombshell. When I say it's a bombshell, I actually applaud it. So I think it's a really good flag flying now. So there was an article in the Law Gazette published very, very recently. I was talking about various risks propagated by remote hybrid home working. And there were some really interesting statistics. Now, you and I know, Regina, that where you go to process, you're going to be processing data in a, in a more risky environment, or you're going to make changes. The Article 25 and Article 35 of the GDPR, I don't want to get all technical, but it talks about something called a data protection impact assessment. And we know that involves you look at what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, and how you're going to safeguard the rights and freedoms of the people i.e. the data subjects who are going to be affected. Now, we know about this, and certainly law firms, the all the sensible law firms out there, but actually any 
organization out there that is allowing staff to work from home some or part of the time or all the time doesn't matter but also use their own equipment and by that i also mean their mobile phones and devices like that and their own wi-fi network which is also connected to their smart television their smart freezer and their kids ipads or playstations all those things have an impact on it so what you're talking about there is actually quite a broad risk, an enormous risk to the data. So what this article was indicating was perhaps it's time to think about going for a data protection impact assessment, actually conducting a DPIA for people who are going to be remote working. Now that would, that's a big step forward. Personally, I welcome it and I think it's the right thing to do, especially for regulated organisations who will be in a stack of trouble when it goes wrong. But I would also encourage organisations in general processing sensitive data like vulnerable people, women's welfare data, for instance, You're processing confidential information about clients, patients, pupils, a lot of schools are getting attacked right now. I'm not always convinced that's from an inside source as opposed to people accessing from the outside. A data protection impact assessment, well worth looking at. What I would do is I always encourage people are looking for a top tip here and I'll hit, I'll just end on this book with one top tip. Article 25. Article 25, paragraph one of the GDPR is the longest single paragraph that full stop you will ever read in your life. Mm -hmm. It's nine lines long. Read that and have a think about what you're processing and think, does this does this sound like me, my organization? If the answer is yes, then the chances are you may need to think about doing a DPIA or at least look at the risks involved. Absolutely. And if you want something that's a little bit more digestible to understand it, then we do have a webinar that's available on our YouTube channel that will explain that very long paragraph and make it applicable to your business. So um, feel free to check that out. I imagine that DPIAs will be something we'll pick up on in the coming weeks as, as potentially they become something that might come more to the forefront of people's mind as they're looking at how they can securely process the data they're responsible for in different ways. But no, really some really good points there. Neil. So um, there's a lot for organisations to consider at the moment and, you know, not paying attention to data protection and the responsibilities you have there could really result in a significant mistake, even if it's from something as simple as access permissions being set up incorrectly. We'd love to know your thoughts or if you've got any topics you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line at coffee at dbxuk.com. Thanks very much for joining us this week, Neil. It was great to have you with us pleasure. again. Thank uh, you. Kelly and I will be back next time to discuss more hot topics in the world of data and data protection. Mm -hmm.